I'm Ryan Nidell, host of 15 Minutes of Freedom, your daily action guide to getting shit done. Today's episode is Saturday, the episode with my stunning wife and her beautiful glasses. Thank you. It's your favorite episode of the whole week, isn't it, baby? Used to be. Oh, what's the matter today? I got tired of saying that. Oh. Yeah. We just recorded a podcast before we recorded this one, and he's tired now. Why you gotta Why you gotta piss in my face and tell me it's raining? <laughs> I don't like that. Love you, boo. Love you too. That's right. Uh huh. So what are we talking about today? You know what we're talking about. I actually do know what we're talking about because you came up with it. I did. It's like the it's it's almost like finding fucking Bigfoot in the wild. Oh man! Having you be able to come up with a, a topic for the the podcast. I'm impressed. That's true. I, I've come up with a few, but usually they're like listener suggestions. But I've talked about this one a couple of times with some listeners, some friends. So we're going to talk about today the things that you should talk about with your partner before you get married. There's a lot of talk abouts in there. There's a lot of talk abouts, but you know. It's all right. This is a skill to craft. Not everybody possesses the major, the major and amazing skill that you have spitting on the microphone i'm glad you recognize my genius because i woke up this morning i double checked i did piss excellence <laughs> <laughs> that's right that is right man does it feel good to be me you see everyone i have to live with this all the time yeah you're welcome i know really a lot of people that i don't know would want to do the same thing that of you're course. doing sit with you and talk yeah you're the man honey that's right be married to my looking all sexy in your glasses yeah blocking the blue light that we don't have in this room because we currently no. have no screens in front of us but anywhere. we look cool as shit we do and i, I posted <laughs> on social media and asked if i look smarter with glasses and i heard yes so i'm trying to get all my intelligence points i can that's right i posted if these blue light glasses really work and so far it's like 80 20 that they do work for blocking out the blue light rays and not having a headache at the end of the day interesting so i would i would look at the dave asprey ones that are yellow I think that he knows more than anybody else. Maybe. You don't even know who that is, do you? I've heard you say the name, but no. That's all right. You see that bottle at the end of the I'm not going to lie desk? about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bulletproof. Yeah, he owns Bulletproof. Okay. Yes, now I put it together. It's all right. Take some time. Yep. We draw those lines together. I know. Well, speaking of drawing lines, look at that segue. These are skills that you'll need to have as you have your own podcast. Yep. <laughs> you don't know what I got yet. I do not know what you've got yet. <laughs> Hopefully no STDs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. But as we as we bounce all over the place sporadically, I think these are all parts of the things that you have to discuss before you get married. And when I say that, it's based around, to me, communication styles, first and foremost. That's a big one. And, of course, we've covered communication on past episodes. But I think it's important to understand at the very base level what the expectations are for you versus your partner. But to get real with what they actually are. So there's this cognitive bias, I'll call it, that we develop over time with our partner. And what I mean by that is with Lindsay, I know that she loves horses. And this is not to pick on horses. Like I know that now. Yeah. And so I realize that she loves horses and I may not love horses. And so if I ask her, is having a horse a requirement for us to get married? Like is that, is that a deal breaker? Her answer may be yes, so I know it's yes, and I don't want to have to tell her no, so I don't even bring it up. Because for me, that, that, that would be the opposite deal breaker. Like If you have to have a horse for the rest of your life, I'm probably not the right fit. Right. 
but there's a bias that it happens from the time that you've spent with somebody. And so I guess really even before communication is self, self-awareness and honoring your true desires. Yeah, you have to be honest with yourself about what it is that you want. And I was able to get pretty raw with myself about those things because I had failed in a marriage already. So I already knew the things that I was willing to accept and the things that I was absolutely not willing to accept for myself and my life because I had already had the things that I didn't want and I had already failed at those. So I, I knew going into any relationship, you or anybody else, of what it was that I was going to want and need, which I told you from the get-go. Yeah, we, we had a unique thing where we had some very open conversations that were 90 or 100% open on your side and probably 80% open on my side. Yeah. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't say enough about the dumb shit I did the first six months of our relationship. But in that, we were very open with Lindsay expressing right away like she needed touched, that in her as she was coming out of her past relationship, which happened to be her marriage, she realized that one of the things that she felt like she didn't get enough of was kinesthetic stimulation. Mm-hmm. Holding hands, small the back, hugs, not not just a, a you know an intimate basis. And so I remember distinctly sitting sitting down at Lifetime Cafe, and you just sharing that like I need touched. Yeah, and I remember saying like I don't. I'm sure these things are going to make me sound pretty high maintenance, but that's just my truth and what I need. And if I can't get those things, then it wasn't that you weren't the right relationship. It was that the relationship that I'm in, if that doesn't provide me with those things, then it's not a relationship I'm going to stay in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then I remember pivoting into what I'll just refer to as intimacy Mm -hmm. on my side, that there is an expectation of frequency and spontaneity that I find to be important. Yeah. And that if that doesn't line up, if your, I'll just call it sexual energy, is not the same as mine, that doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means that it doesn't align with what I'm looking for yeah, at this moment fit. in time. And so while we can try to grow together, we're realizing there could be a potential uphill battle even before we really start a relationship. Mm-hmm. And then we start talking about expectations for work and we start talking about expectations for time together. Expectations for where we're going to live, expectations for budgeting of money in different aspects of our life as we started to get more intertwined in our finances. Um, And those are things like, these are not all topics of discussion that you're going to have if you're on your fourth date with somebody. But as you continue a relationship and you're going down that path of, you know, maybe living together or engagement or marriage, whatever it might be, you have to be open with yourself about what it is that you're willing to accept and then also open with your partner about what it is that you expect. Yes, and I would push back on what you just said, sweetheart, that I think that I know I personally had wasted way too much time throughout my life by not having those conversations early. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't, I personally would not have those conversations on the fourth date. But if you're, you know, a couple months in, you should be talking about, and you're serious about that person, you should be talking about things like, do you want kids in the future? Do you want to get married at some point in life? It doesn't have to be to that particular person. Yeah. And I'm going to say that I, I, I still, I mean, I respect where you're coming from with that. I'm just, I guess, different in that capacity that I look at all the time that we waste with that good shoe conversation. Yeah. 
Okay, so what if you're a man, it's because you ultimately want to see the woman you're sitting across from naked. Like I'll just call it what it is. And so everything you do up until that point is a way or means to get to that point. But then once you get to that point and take your mind and whatever you want to do from there of what that could mean. But once you get to that point, then it becomes a situation of like, okay, now what's next? Like, so wait, you, you sit there, you don't have those conversations. You don't have any idea what the person really wants. You don't really come clean with what you want or desire. And then you cross that border or that boundary of that level of intimacy. And then you have those conversations. You realize you're on polar opposite ends of the spectrum. So yeah, but people have a fear of loss, which is why they don't say those things. Well, right, but that's what I'm like: fear of loss of what you don't have anything to start with. Correct. Like this is this is the stuff that how my mind works now as a 34 year old married man versus a 28 year old man. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm coming from a different perspective, and I'm not saying men that you lead into a relationship on the first date you say, "This is my name. This is what I expect out of you. This is what you know. This is where I'm going." I need this many kids. I want to live in this neighborhood. <laughs> That's not going to work. <laughs> no, you're going to sound a little obsessive. Like, this is going to be a little extreme. But to be able to weave in and out of conversation over the period of the first month, like, I truly believe that that level of intimacy, I'll just call it sexuality, sex, I mean, I don't have to run from this, that the longer you delay that, the better your relationship can become. I yes. believe that the mental energy you put into something, the amount you get to know somebody prior to that moment builds up not only the anticipation, but the quality of the connection, which makes that act even better. And we proved that theory. I mean, we did that. We did not jump right into bed together. Absolutely not. But in that, you think about our life. We knew so many pieces and parts. Granted, I know I'll put the asterisk up there just so I can keep saying it over and over yeah. again. But it exists. Like, right. you didn't know that it's I had another girlfriend. Story. Like, cool. But everything else, you knew what like I wanted mm-hmm. before we ever crossed that line. Mm-hmm. And so there wasn't, you were able to make a healthy decision for yourself on giving up your body to me, because mm-hmm. that's what I look at it. A, a female is like, your body is to be cherished and sacred. That you make a decision to give that up based off of knowing at that moment enough of who I am to see if I meet the criteria to enter the sanctity of, of you. Mm-hmm. And so in that, if we play this high level service game of, okay, we'll go out to dinner and we'll have some surface level conversations. We'll maybe go out and drink once or twice. We'll have some more surface level conversations. Then magically we're in the sack together. And I know I want this to progress because I've enjoyed your company, but we get to the point of, yeah, tell me about your family. And you're like, yeah, my family's super important to me. I want to spend at least two days a week having dinner with them. And it's been that way my entire life. And I want that literally forever because they're my everything. And then I look at you and say, Wait, what? <laughs> like without even knowing your family. I don't have to know your family. But for right. me, I'm like, from my upbringing, I'm not close to my parents in that capacity. That's the polar opposite of something I want to do two days a week, let alone even one day a week. Like, are you serious? Like, that. explain to me why you think that way. And you explain it and I listen. It's okay if you hear that and you're like, that's a deal breaker. Yeah, like, this is hypothetical. We did not have this conversation. No, of course not. But too often, I think we, we, at those moments, shove the things to the side that we actually think and feel. Yeah, you swallow it because you're afraid of loss, and then you also don't want to be judged, and you want to make sure that, oh, I can keep it together. It's fine. I like this person. So you just sweep it under the rug. Yeah, or the, I'll just call it what is it, or the sex was good, or all these things happen, and eventually these things have to be dealt with anyways. Oh, yeah, they're not staying under the rug. No. And then, so what, you get to the point of you've been together a year and a half or two years and you know that marriage is almost, I'll say, imminent because I personally, in my belief system, think that you should be dating for two years before you get 
engaged slash married. I think you should live together for at least six months before you go on that path. Living together is so important. Like I, when Gianna is old enough to have a boyfriend and and want to get married or whatever, I will highly encourage her to live with that person and before she gets married or engaged. Yeah, because you learn things. You don't learn things in a month. You don't learn things only while you're engaged. I think that had we not lived together until we were engaged, I'm like a different, not that I was a different person when we got engaged, but now there's this new benchmark you're striving towards. You're like, my new shoes come back out or my clean shoes, whatever you call them. Good shoes. Good shoes. Because, okay, I've committed. I've spent money in a ring. I don't want to mess this up. But if you live together before that day comes and you've already been together a year or some period of time, the newness has worn off the relationship. You have a lot more of the realness that goes on. Of course, the first four to six weeks you live together, it's still going to be dishes are in the dishwasher and clothes are, are, are nice and washed and folded. Then all of a sudden life gets in the way and you come home from work and your shoes come off by the front door and your socks come off where the hell you want them to. <laughs> your and you pants leave, are on the floor. Yeah, and you leave your jacket <laughs> over the back of the kitchen chair. All these things are actual truthful things of Lindsay and I's life that I'm yeah. sure. Like I leave my slippers in the middle of the floor. You leave your shoes really by the front door. So like you trip over them all the time. Dishes in the sink. Laundry that you live out of the basket instead of putting them away. Damn right. (laughs) But like these things did not, have not changed. Like these were not things that. These are always the things that you and I have done. They've been there. And we live together much more quickly than most or that I would even recommend. But that was what was going on at our point in life. That made sense for us where we were at. But it's all these conversations and it's running from the truth that we all do that truly befuddles me. Because as as men, I, it doesn't really befuddle me. I get why we do it. We do it like you've said, Lindsay, because of fear of loss or because the level of intimacy and connection is something we're yearning for. And we know at some base level, it's not good to sleep around. But we have desires that we don't know how to fulfill. So we mm-hmm. have a girl that we find attractive that we're excited to be around. And we want to close them as quick as possible because that's what we do as guys. And you close them and you jump in bed and you do whatever you do. And then as long as it wasn't miserable, you want that person around for as long as you can have them around. Yeah. And you're willing to overlook stuff until, you know, eventually those things come up enough that bother you. You have to say something. Well, then it's like, you know, if I'm if I'm going to say something to you after a year and a half about your dishes in the sink. And all of a sudden, now it's a problem. You're going to look at me like, are you kidding me? Like, I've, this is not a new behavior. This is not a new thing. Why didn't you say something to me about this forever ago? Because, and then it becomes a bigger issue. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. And so you think about all the different things that, to me, could cause a relationship to break down. I don't have a list in front of me of what are the top 10 reasons for divorce. But I'm going to spitball and assume that I can guess some of them. Money. Money almost always seems to be first. And if anyone says there's not an issue with money in their relationship, I believe they would be telling a partial truth. From the aspect that two different people with two different upbringings with two different jobs and two different ways of thinking and viewing money are going to have two separate opinions. Correct. And through that, as long as there's at least a base level understanding about roles, responsibilities, and expectations – it doesn't have to be as complicated. Like when Lindsay and I got together and we eventually went down the, I think it was even before the joint bank account conversation, we just decided that as we lived together, anytime one of us would spend more than $1,000, mm-hmm. that we would pause and check in with the other person. Yep. And check in. Men, I know a lot of you will have an issue like, I make this money, I do what I want with it. Sure, if you're that person, you're not ready to be in a relationship. Like not like this. And just straight up, like, sure, you make the money, pound your chest, I'm good with it. 
have the respect for your partner to have a conversation. Doesn't mean you have to listen. Like doesn't mean you have to like if I want and I don't, I don't care. I don't watch TV, but if I want this new amazing TV because I love to watch football on Saturdays, and I call Lindsay and say, "Look, there's this TV, TV it's 9.97. It's going to be over 1000 bucks." Mhm. She's like, "Man, I don't think we need a TV. We got a bunch of TVs. <laughs> like we have way more TVs than we need." I'm like, "Yeah, no, but I really want to watch the football." I'm and put I, this one in the garage. It's yeah, going to be gonna, great. I'll move this stuff around. And Lindsay just is like, nah, we don't need it. Okay. So we have, a, we have two opposing opinions at that point. But then the next, I'll call it the check down that I would go through and say, okay, we have $10,000 in liquidity that I feel good with right now. $10,000 that we have just sitting around. And we both get paid next Friday and our bills are X and we're saving at Y. Would it? Will it cause an issue? Will we end up breaking up because I spend the thousand dollars, even though you don't see the value in it? Yeah, is this going to make? Do we have that extra thousand dollars that it's not going to, you know, make or break our family? And you might not understand it, but are you okay with it at least that I spend it? And if she says no, I'm just not okay with it, then that has to be the end of the story. Yeah. No pouting, no crying, no like manipulating or like, okay, have my homeboy buy it. And I can just pay him $300 a week for the next three and a half weeks. I'll take cash out of the ATM. I'm going to get this TV and I'm going to tell her I got it on sale. <laughs> <laughs> that's not healthy. That's not, a good, that's not a good call. No, that's a mess. And so to me, money, of course, is one of the first things. And just understanding what the, the expectations of the money and what the expense structure could or should be. I think the next check down from there is... For me, some sort of expectations of physical intimacy. Yeah, that's a big one for a lot of people. And again, what you like, what you don't like, things you're willing to try and not try. And I don't want to have this go down this crazy rabbit hole of no, a, a sexual conversation. No, but your ability but to communicate with your partner about what it is that you like or don't like, though. I mean, you know, yeah, there are you, a lot of unsatisfied people because they don't speak up about what they want or what they need. Yeah, and then if, 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 it makes them miserable. 100%. If you're one of those people, and I am not this person, nor am I judging you if you are, but if you love feet, like you just, you're a foot fetish type of person, male or female. I believe this exists in the world. You just really, really love feet. If you don't express that to your partner, that you're going to want to play around with his or her feet or use them for whatever it is that a foot fetish person would use them for, don't be surprised if after a year and a half that you start to share this, that I, I now have this foot fetish that I've suppressed for 18 months. Don't be surprised if there's a ton of pushback. Because yeah. if your fetish is at that level that you need to express it, then it has been getting fulfilled somewhere or somehow over those 18 months. Right, because you're not just going to not stay fulfilled. No, and it doesn't mean you're cheating on your partner, but whether you're consuming copious amounts of porn involving feet, like I don't know what that subculture is and I'm, I'm making light of a situation that's not so light but I'm trying to keep it a high level that, it, that we don't get stuck in the weeds right but it's like if that's important and that's what you're into you got to be able to say that pretty quick and don't run from it like if if the think about this from where you stand right now if the person judges you because you have a foot fetish and you have that fear of judgment wouldn't you rather know that in the first month for sure because then you have a whole lot more to lose after a year and a half yeah and you never really had it to even lose to start with though Correct. like you, your relationship was built on quicksand like you didn't own who you were so the the, the sexuality side of things was never going to be fulfilled anyways yep 
So just own that stuff. I think the next thing, the check down for me is either living or kids. Yeah, living and kids are, and not only kids, but if you decide you want to have kids, how you want to raise them. And we're not talking about details, but just high level, like, you know, whether you are in different religions, so how are you going to celebrate different holidays? You know, there's a lot of, um, you know, Catholic and Jewish families that are married and they practice both, whatever it might be. Or, you know, what do you feel about homeschool versus public school versus private school? Just some high-level stuff because raising a kid is important that both parents feel that they have their personal experiences in life posed upon their kids and that traditions are passed on from both sides. But you have to agree on what those things are. And be willing to be present enough in your own mind to realize what it is that you want. To be able to think that far ahead. You know, you think as a potentially a mid-20s, early 30s couple that has not yet had children, I can get the fact that some of this might not make sense. Like, how am I supposed to know how I want to raise my kid as far as schools and churches and life experiences? Well, think about what you really would have wanted for yourself. Or what you loved and appreciated about your childhood and and what you think was valuable, passed on to you to pass on to your own kids. And you got to share that. Yep. And share it with open communication again. Like, don't water this stuff down. Like, Watering down what you want, not only in a relationship but in any part of your life, will not serve you long term. Mm-mm. Sure, your wants and needs and desires might take little twists and turns and grow and evolve over the years. But most people in my experience don't have 180 degree shifts in what they want. Like, I have wanted for a long time to live a more transient lifestyle. It is because of some of my upbringing. It is some of who I am. And it's also some of what I enjoy. I don't need much to be happy. You can literally give me a credit card, probably a suitcase or two full of some clothes, my backpack with my laptop in it, and I could just go. Yeah, he would be happy just like doing Airbnbs for a month or two at random places in the world. 100%. Yep. Until I found the right place that felt like somewhere to stay for longer than a month. Mm-hmm. That's my ideal world. Even if that is Lindsay's ideal world for her, she has, and now we have a daughter. Yeah, we don't have that option. That is truly something that cannot be done because it is important that Lindsay's daughter, our daughter, Gianna, has time with her father as well. Mm -hmm. And I feel personally, when I've said this, that it's, I personally feel that a child needs a home base. Absolutely. And in that, that is one thing that Lindsay and I do not agree with. Mm Mm-mm. And we've talked about it, you know, having our own kid and how we would raise that child because Ryan would rather like when they're old enough to start public school to hire a tutor and travel around the world with them and just do it that way rather than have a home-based life. Yes, I believe that the, I keep referring to it, but the cognitive bias that exists from consistency of environment and friends and people creates distortions in your adult life. I believe if you take a child and you expose them to multiple different cultures, multiple different religions, multiple different parts of the world, and you can integrate schooling. So I bring up this example quite often. If Gianna, as a third grader, is learning about the pyramids in Egypt, I look at how impactful would it be to learn about them for three weeks now, have a familiarity with what they are, why they're important, all the geographical pieces and parts, maybe a little bit about the culture and language, and then spend the next three weeks in Egypt. Yeah. Like, 
How much greater can it be to read something, learn something, study something, and then go live that something with the people that you just read about? Like that to me is this utopian society that I'm able to control <laughs> with, with, with a, a child and a wife that I'm, I get free reign to do whatever I want. And we have no limit on our credit card. <laughs> well, that's what I would do. Yeah. I mean, 100%. That's where I would go and that's what I would do. But in that, I've communicated with that with Lindsay. I realize that that is not what she wants. And so in that moment, is is that a deal breaker to me? Am I going to be so miserable living in Columbus, Ohio until Gianna's 18 that it's going to cause me to want to leave one day? I had to get real with that answer. It's either yes or no. It's not a maybe or I don't know. If your answer is maybe or I don't know, don't do it. Yep. Just that simple. If the answer is, yeah, the juice is worth the squeeze, I can tough it out, I don't have to love Columbus. I don't have to, just call it what it is. I don't love Columbus. I don't want to stay here. No, and we're not going to stay here when she goes to college, and we've talked about that multiple times too. Like, we will be transient people. Yeah, and it's it's not that I have an adverse reaction to Columbus. It's not that I think Columbus is a bad city or that Ohio is a bad state. Just I've lived my entire 34 years, give or take, in Ohio. I'm ready to see a new part of the world. Yeah. But I had to confirm that Lindsay is willing to, once Gianna's old enough, to also follow that path with me, have the conversations and determine, okay, can I suck this up for, at the point I met Lindsay, 14 years? <laughs> like, is, is Lindsay and I's relationship, the quality of that, worth 14 years of being somewhere that I don't really want to stay? Yep. Now we're, uh, she's going to be nine. So we're. Nine years. We're nine years out. And my answer was yes, but if the answer was no, I owe it to myself and I owe it to her to say, I can't really, I can't do that. Right. And we, I mean, this was a, this is a real conversation we had in our life and it was very important because had he not said, like if he wouldn't have been okay or comfortable with that and then three years into our marriage be like, you know what? I just can't live here anymore. Well, then it puts me in a position where I have to leave our daughter or I have to choose my husband Mm -hmm. and that's not fair for anyone. No, but all that also comes into as we talk, start talking about the work side of things. You talk about where, what your goals are for your career. Yeah. Because if I'm an entrepreneur, meaning I work for a company, and that company has offices all over the U.S., we can take Lindsay's brother, who works for Stryker Medical. Mm-hmm. Stryker has moved him three or four separate times in yeah. his past six or seven years, maybe longer. I don't. Yeah, I don't. He's been. I think he's been with them for almost ten years now. Okay. But yeah, he's moved. Uh, I think three or four times. You're right. Mm-hmm. In that, if if I'm entering into a relationship and I know my goal is to climb a corporate ladder and that corporate ladder is going to have there be some different movements across different cities or states, I need to be willing to share that with the person I'm getting into a relationship with. Right. Because there will come a time where I will then be forced to choose, do I want my career or do all my relationship? Yep. And that is a very difficult spot to be in, especially as a man. Again, not a sexist conversation, but I believe that, again, we are wired to be providers. We are wired to be the ones that, you know, are hunter-gatherers, go out and bring the meat home. Yeah, and if you want to take the subject of my brother, he's like the most traditional hunter-gatherer man type in the world. And he gets that from my dad. Like, he comes by it honestly. He doesn't want his wife to work. He wants her to you know, do what she wants and stay at home with the kids and he wants to work. He wants to provide everything. Absolutely. But in that, there had to be or has to be those conversations you have of 
my goal is to be the president of this company. And when I become president of this company and make believe company, the president lives in Austin, Texas. So although we live in Columbus now, I'm going to work hard enough for long enough to end up in Austin, Texas. Are you okay with that potential partner? Right. If you're afraid to share your goals and dreams with your partner, it's the wrong person. It just is. 100% the wrong person. And especially if they don't support you in that, then it's clearly not the right person. No, and that's okay. Like, there is a good chance that many people that come through your life are there for a reason or a season, and that is it. Mm -hmm. They're there to teach you a lesson. They're there to expand your capacity. They're there to have you become more of who you are, understand more of what you want to be. And this is where I used to break down and I was not good at it. And then it's our responsibility to let those people go. Like, let them go flourish. The breakup is going to be painful. You've spent time together. You've shared memories and emotions. You've created bonds. But in that, there is truly going to be a next person. There just is. But the opposite of that becomes true. If you invest enough in the relationship to get to these points and you get married... To me, that ends up being this commitment that ends up being a lifelong commitment. Mm -hmm. If you went through all these check downs and you've had all these conversations and you've done all these things prior to getting married, not after, but before, and we enter the sanctity of marriage and you've answered all these questions and it was enough for you to say, yes, I'm in this, then it's your responsibility to continue to grow with your partner the best you can. And you're not going to grow at the same rate. No, and that's important because I get asked that question a lot. Like, you know, your your husband is expanding all the time and growing and doing this stuff. And, you know, you, you seem to be doing the same thing. And I said, well, yeah, sure. But I don't expand at the same rate that he does. And at one point I was expanding differently than he was or faster than he was. And you just have to support them through that and know that you can grow together, but it's not going to be on the same length and, and wave all the time. Absolutely. And it's not supposed to be. Like no. My, my goal is not to drag you along through my journey it's to say because we've already spoken about money and we know the way that we view that i realize that anytime i want to spend more than a thousand dollars to go somewhere train on something learn something or expand my capacity you and i need to have a conversation first Mm -hmm. you also know as part of who i am that i enjoy this four-dimensional expansion-based lifestyle yes very much so And so in that, if I'm honoring the first commitment to money and then you're honoring the commitment to me to allow me to grow and expand because you know it's who I am, then everything else just takes care of itself. Of course, I can offer on every time, hey, we've already covered this. I want to go to this event in L.A. It's Dr. Shafali's whatever it is. I want to go to it. It's in two weeks. Do you want to come? Yep. Like, well, we have G. I can't really go. I don't know if I really care. Travel across the country. Uh, But you, you can go if you want to. Now, admittedly, from where I sit, that's the worst thing to hear ever. I don't know why. I mean, so he was like, we can take G. And the flip side of it is this thing's in L.A., which is three hours behind us in in Columbus. So you leave Friday after school. You get there. You gain three hours, which is great. But you're essentially getting in there Friday evening. You have Saturday. And then Sunday, you have to turn around and come back, which you lose the entire day. So you have to leave early. So you're really only there for maybe 24 hours. That's a big turnaround and swing to do with an eight-year-old who has to be at her dad's on Sunday night at six. So, so my it, answer was, should, I don't think we can go, but if you want to go, go for it. So admittedly, I don't give a shit about you and Gianna coming. <laughs> 
when you say all that stuff, it makes perfect sense to me. I already went through that pattern in my head, but felt like it's appropriate to ask you to come because I want you guys to always be around. It's when you say at the end, yeah, you can go if you want. I think you should. You can go if you want to. That I'm not able to hear or receive that message in a way that instills confidence in me that I'm making the right decision by going. I don't know why. I mean, maybe it's the tone. Was it the tone that I used? Because, like, if you want to go, go is basic. I mean. So it's a tone in the words. Like, I want to hear, like, yes, yeah, I think you should go. Oh, okay. Because that gives affirmation to me and confirmation of the fact of, like, we've went through the right systems and processes. We've got to the right point of making the decision together. You've honored all the commitments up to this moment, and we are coming to the determination that, yes, I think you should go. All right. Well, then I'll use that verbiage next time that, yes, sure, honey, you should go. Because my thought was, oh, it's not going to work for us, but if you want to go, go. Like, to me, that sounds the same, but you did not receive that the same. That's okay. I will change my verbiage next time because that was the message that I was Yeah, but as that bias that exists in all of our lives, like I hear that and that's like this double-sided conversation of, yeah, it's a good idea. Uh Uh-huh. Go, and when you come back, I'm going to kick your ass because you went. Oh, that's so stupid. That's your own perception. That has, I mean, that's not, on you. I'm not saying it's not, but I realize it exists, and I'm telling you what I like to hear instead. Okay. Well, noted. I mean, we talked about this two weeks ago. Maybe you should have said it then. It just came to me right now. <laughs> I'm still going to go. It doesn't matter. I'm the last-minute booker of everything. Oh. Uh, that. <laughs> you know what? That probably is the thing that pisses me off the most. This guy has an idea, like, you know, 12 weeks ahead of time. There's this conference I want to go to. There's this thing I want to do. Okay. Sounds good. Let's book it. Ah, I'm going to wait. Okay? That five-second rule never applies to your travel. So instead of booking it and saving some money on it or having it planned and done, then we're playing those last-minute travel fees, which are three times higher every time. Yeah, for sure. I'm probably <laughs> always waiting for something better to pop up. I know. It, that's what it is. You think the, like the prices are going to drop or a deal's going to come or something's going to happen. Oh my! Uh, it's like I have the fear of missing out on something else, else. other than yep. what I'm going to plan on going to, which I is know, honey. truly ridiculous. And but then it sticks us in the corner every time we end up spending way more money on a, on a trip than we need to. Truth. It is truth. <laughs> which is why I always say, well, if you want to go, go. Because I've offered to book things for you or to like, and you're just like, eh. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. You got, no, you got nothing on that one. I don't have anything else. On that. You're right. Yep. That's okay. So we've covered work. We've covered money, sex, money, kids, sex, kids, living together. Yep. Where you live. Where you live. We've covered that's, that. Yep. That's, that's on there. I don't know of anything else that's massively impactful that comes to my mind. Hmm. I mean, for me personally, lifestyle choices become very impactful yeah but i think that if you're living with somebody and in a relationship with them for a long term you're going to know like we're gym rats we go to the gym we like to do that that's something yeah but let's let's talk about our specific life like this is will make some listeners maybe a little unhappy but when we got together you knew i was a bodybuilder yes you knew from that at some point in our evolution together that I took performance-enhancing drugs to get me ready to compete in bodybuilding. For sure. There had to be an understanding and a conversation of, is this something you plan on doing literally forever? Like, yeah, we had that conversation for sure. And, and I asked you about the risks, and I was concerned about your health long-term, and was it worth it, and what were your goals in taking these things? 
but we had the conversation of if that made sense. Mm-hmm. It wasn't this thing in the back of your mind you were uncomfortable with it. It wasn't the thing in the back of your mind of you were hoping I was going to quit. That you, like, It was just factual conversations of is this something that's going to be around forever? And if it is, what are the outcomes? Mm-hmm. And I don't even remember back in those moments. I'm sure I would have said, yeah, I'll probably do something forever. Because like, that was the mindset I was operating under at that point. Like That I was convinced that that's what I wanted. And of course, over time, that's changed and evolved. And that's definitely not who I am now. But we force that out. Same thing. Like if, if you're someone that is currently in the stage of your life, you're going out and drinking or partying or having a good time at a bar once a week or twice a week, I'm certainly not here to judge that. But if you don't bring up in your partnership conversation that that is something you see yourself doing literally forever, like if, if you enjoy it that much, that every Ohio State football game, because we live here, you mm-hmm. plan on going and tailgating and drinking and watching the game. You need to say that. That is a lifestyle thing. That is something that when it comes five years down the road and your wife is resenting you because she she thought it was going to change. Like she thought you were going to not play golf on Sundays, but golf is the most important thing in the world to you and you can't ever imagine not golfing. Well, where that comes into play is when kids c- come up into the picture. Mm-hmm. Golfing and football Saturdays and golfing Sundays are just fine until you have two or three children that you are that that's where resentment happens you're taking the time to go golf with your buddies or go and tailgate and get blasted and your wife is left at home with the kids by herself and unable to do anything that she would like to do for herself if there's no balance there you're in deep shit but all that again comes down to entry-level communication correct where i still think it's okay to go tailgate if you want to or go play golf if you want to even once you have kids of course it is just have to have as you said some sort of balance and understanding of, okay, yes. I'm going to, I've been doing this four weekends a month. I'm going to have to drop down to two and begrudgingly, I know in the back of my mind, two really means one. Yeah. Or, hey, let's just plan on, you know, these Saturdays, we really want to go tailgating as a couple. We're going to get a sitter. We're going to get grandma to watch the kids or whatever it is. But there's got to be some conversation in that because that leads to a bunch of different issues. Yeah, and I'll even take this a step further. If if you men are out there and you don't want your wife or girlfriend to be a part of things, like you're the guy that's like, I gotta have at least two nights a week. I'm just with my boys. I'm just going out and doing doing me. You're not ready. Mm-mm. Or you're with the wrong person. Yeah, like I, that's a that's a good thing that you brought up because I'm sitting there thinking like, yeah, but what if you want to golf? I get is different. Like you go out and play golf. Oh and, yeah. All right, sure. But, but like, still check in with your partner because there's like a responsibility for life that you're just leaving. Yeah, and just the commitment and the communication. Right. Where I get that you're going to have goals and interests that don't align with one another. There's going to be yep. things that I don't enjoy horse riding. We've already covered this on like freaking every episode <laughs> possible. Like I'm not going to go to the barn and hang out for three hours No, but it's what I like to do. And so we find that balance where you get your stuff done or whatever you want to do in those three hours that I'm at the barn and I get my stuff done. And, you know, just so happens that G is at the barn with me because she enjoys it as well. So that is easy for us. Mm -hmm. But it was a conversation we had when the horses came into the picture. Like this is what's going to happen in in the schedule. Yeah. Are you okay with this? How does this feel? Where can we adjust it? It feels miserable. I know, baby. feels miserable. (laughs) Yeah, I just think there's so many, like if you can think of something to talk about, if you can think of a situation that alters what you ultimately want, you owe yourself and your partner 
to have a conversation about that. I mean, literally, it's crazy to water it down to that such a base level. But if you're going to invest in getting married and take the time, energy, effort, and money to do so, you owe it to be overtly honest with what you really need and want. Like in everything. Like, I want to do drugs. I want to drink. I want this much sex. I want to spend this much money on clothes. I want to travel this much. I want to... I need to be able to do these weird sexual things. I want to have an open relationship. I want to know I can cheat on you once a year. Like, it, yeah. it all this sounds crazy to say out loud, but it's all really truthful. Like, once you're married, I believe if if you know everything prior to asking a woman to marry you, it makes a decision super easy. Like, it was never difficult to ask you to marry me. That's I right. was I was not nervous. I was not apprehensive. I was not anything. I wanted to make sure I had enough money for the right ring, and I wanted to make sure I didn't adversely affect our family's financial position. Mm-hmm. But like after the first eighteen months, two years, there was no more question for me of like, man, is this going to be the right fit? Am I going to find somebody better? And I might as well address that too, just because I'm on yeah, the roll that- right now. <laughs> man, this this thought that we have that there's going to be somebody better. Think if we're honest with each other, all of us are concerned about that or think that in some capacity. That magically, how do I know that she's the right one? I'll give you how I went through this little process myself. Over time, we are all going to age and our bodies are going to change. It's factual. If you have a woman in your life that is open to the idea of plastic surgery, tummy tucks, Facelifts, Botox, breast implants, butt augmentations. I don't care what you're into. You can keep the outward appearance of almost any female in a few degrees of where they're at when you meet them. If you have the financial wherewithal to do so. So the outward appearance, you can really make it anything you want to. As long as she's open for it. You can't change how they're wired. You can't change how your partner thinks. You shouldn't even want to. You shouldn't try to change anything about them. But in that, if you sit there and you're like, man, okay, my chick likes football and I like football. And she's cool with me playing playing video games with my friends. And she's got a good job. And she supports what I do. And she meets my sexual needs. And I find her attractive. This fear of missing out on this next best opportunity, like what really changes? So as men, like, we always wonder what a woman looks like with their clothes off. Like, just call it what it is. We, that's how we think. That I, I'm truly convinced of that. And I say this example, and I say it to the men that I coach, and I say it to the groups of individuals that I train. Super crass, but women, I'm just going to give you the insight into me what actually works. If you think about the best sexual experience you've had as a man, And you think about the absolute worst sexual experience you've had as a man. Just whatever that means to you. The ultimate degree of difference in those is pretty minuscule. And what I mean by that is there's a high likelihood that you as a man ejaculated in both situations. We're wired differently. It's going to happen for us. So if you're chasing consistently the thought that, man, what if she's better? What if she looks better with her clothes off? You are chasing a fool's errand because there's no difference. The difference comes from the connection you have and the safety you have 
and the relationship that you've formed with the person you're with. That's it. I like it, baby. All the other stuff is some bullshit that somebody told you along the way you heard or that you saw that was an example from your father that stepped on your mother like there's a, or the knuckleheads that you hang out with. And I'm guilty for all those things. Mm-hmm. I have seen all of those things in some capacity, one form or another. The societal things of, oh, no, it's all right. Like when you travel, you can cheat on your girl. No. no. Like you don't really have to. So what? But like I'll run through that scenario with you real quick just to make sure that you understand. You travel. You're married. Could you find a girl to bar, hook up with her, use a Google number, not have her know your real name, not have her know where you're from, and get away with it? 100%. And if you don't know what those things are, and I just gave you a roadmap, I'm sorry. But <laughs> could you do all those things with no question? If you married the right person and your communication was as high as it should be, and you jumped into it the way that we're describing, those things don't even cross your mind anymore. No, they don't even. I, yeah, it's that's so true. If it's crossing your mind as you're traveling before you get engaged, don't get engaged. Pause for a second. Try to work on the relationship. See where some of the deficiencies are. Is it a deficiency in your mind? Is it a deficiency with you? I mean, I had plenty of those. I've shared that multiple times. Is a deficiency with the way you communicate? Is a deficiency in your sexual requirements with your partner? It always is going to check down to one of the things we just discussed. Don't expect when you get married, things are going to get easier or get harder. They're literally going to be just more of what you already have. Yeah, it doesn't change much. No, as long as you communicated what you need on the front side. Right. But there's no, you can't just, you know, get married and be like, oh, just kidding. I want five kids and I'm probably going to gain 50 pounds at least. Yeah. No. <laughs> that is not that is not what they signed up for. Whether you're a male or a female. Your your partner signed up for, you know, they're they're signing up for you for the rest of your life. So take care of yourself. Take pride in what you look like. Take pride in your body. Take pride in your job and your home life and things that, you know, that that's all they get. And vice versa. So they better do it for you as well. Yeah, and this stuff of like, and Lindsay and I have shared this as well. And I'll wrap this up because now I'm I'm pontificating and I feel it. I apologize for that. But this stuff of getting like fat and happy, like you get married and then you just slowly let yourself go because none of the stuff matters. Take enough pride in yourself to always take pride in yourself. Mm -hmm. No, I get it. We all age. Our metabolism slows down. We don't have the same goals and desires. Like inevitably, from when we got married till right now, I'm probably 15 pounds lighter. I don't have as much muscle. Yeah. And that's going to continue to shrink. Like it's going to change. Like I know I'm not the same version, but I'm not consciously letting myself go. I'm now not I didn't pick up a 12 pack of beer last night. I'm not <laughs> drinking on the couch. Like again, I'm not judging if that's your life, but have the presence of who you are to be consistent with what it is that you like. And then once you get married, it's not this this to me it's not this idea of like, all right, I can just kind of relax now. I've got my it's partner. Not a free pass. Yeah, that none of this stuff matters. I don't have to, you know, I'm not manscaping anymore. I'm not taking care of myself. I'm not going mm-hmm. to the gym. Because you come up with excuses, right? Like, yeah, things are good now. Things are calm. Like, I, I don't have to impress her anymore. I already got her. The minute you stop dating your wife, it's going to start wearing out. Yep. 
and you're eventually going to resent her because you're going to feel that she resents you and your sexual intimacy is not going to be where it was at. Then you're going to start justifying away why you're okay to step out because she stopped sleeping with you the way you wanted to and she's mad at you when you come home because of all this stuff that you didn't know she was mad at you about. All because you stopped doing the stuff you did when you were dating. Yeah, and it goes both ways. I mean, women will step out just as easily as men. And that's not talked about enough, but there are a lot of wives that cheat on their husbands. A lot. And it's... Where they at, though? You, shut up. <laughs> it's usually because they're not getting something at home. They're not satisfied with something at home. So if you're not paying attention to your wife and you're not taking care of yourself and doing the things that you said you wouldn't signed up for, and she isn't either. This, is, this goes both ways. But... If you don't do it for her, somebody else will. Yes. And listen. Like yes. Females need to communicate, but yeah, as listen. men, you need to be open to listen. To not get defensive. Because it's easy, right? Like we're, we go out, we hunt, we gather all day, we go to the office, we do whatever it is that we do. And then we get home and we think our wives are nagging us. I'm guilty. Get home, it's... You didn't put away the dishes. You, you, your laundry's still in the basket. And I'm like, man, fuck me. I've been working all day. I don't. What are you, what are you talking about? And I have no momentary appreciation for the fact of everything that went on in my wife's life, while I was not at home, because I'm self-involved and I'm self-consumed, and all I care about is all the stuff I did that day. I don't even think for a second that she had to take care of the house and pick up the kids and run them here or there, take care of the dogs, also do some work, like. I never went through all that. I'm just like, get off my back, woman. (laughs) Bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And what happens is then you start driving these wedges of frustration between you and you stop listening and communicating and you start trying to impose your will on your wife and you stop finding her as sexy as you used to and you're not flirting with her like you used to. And you're not coming on to her like you used to. And you're not dating her like you used to. And all of a sudden at some point, some guy, because you married your wife because you found her to be attractive. Guarantee it. You didn't marry the ugly chick. You married the hot chick. Mm -hmm. Or you're in the process of being engaged to the hot chick or you're dating the hot chick. Whatever that means to you. When you stop acting like you're dating the hot chick or married to the hot chick, eventually some other guy still finds your wife to be hot. Guarantee it. For sure. Don't care how big or small she is. Don't care. Don't care what all the weight she's put on. It's all bullshit to me. She's going to be walking around the grocery store, minding her own damn business, and a guy's going to flirt with her. And it's going to spark those feelings of she remembers what it used to be like when you did that. 100% correct. She's not out looking for this. She's not out cruising for it or trolling for it, but she remembers it. And she's probably going to come home and either be pissed at you for not doing it or bring up the fact that she wants more of it. Understand the fact that in that moment, she's doing that because she just had that from someone else and she remembers what that's like. She's asking you for more. If you then decide to not step up your game and do that for a long period of time to recalibrate your relationship, she's going to remember how good it felt to have the guy in the grocery store flirt with her. She's going to justify in her head that she's already tried to say to you once or twice to do whatever. And her walls are going to start breaking down and being more open to receiving that admiration from someone else. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that means she's going to go sleep with another man. I think it's much harder for a female to get to the point of cheating on their husband than it is for a husband to cheat on their wife. Again, hunter-gatherer, conqueror, sp- seed spreader versus stay-at-home nurturer, caregiver. But at some point, if you don't realize what you have in front of you, someone else is going to. And they are going to take it from you. 
and you're going to lose half of your money and you're going to lose half of the time with your children and you're going to be pissed and you're going to blame everybody else. But I can guarantee you 100%, it is 100% your fault. It's your fault for not paying attention. It's your fault for stopping dating your wife. It's your fault for not being there in the moment. It's your fault for not having the conversations. Whether that was before you got married, while you were engaged, or after you got married, stop blaming other people. It is your fault. My soapbox just broke. I'm done. I love it. No, it's true. It's 100% true. And it goes both ways is the craziest part. You can turn that around and everywhere you said man put in woman and it's the same thing. Yeah, women keep your shit together. I mean, you men need to keep your shit together too. Yeah, but it's more difficult to me for a woman. You guys have kids and things like that. Yeah. And it's tough to find the time and space and recalibrate your hormones and all the things that go into it. I try to take into consideration that as I'm saying that. Yeah. But at some point, ladies, we marry a woman that we find to be beautiful. And we find inevitably not only your mind beautiful, but also your body. And I do appreciate that as we have children, you have children, your body is going to morph and change. Oh, yeah. I find that in my own right to imagine you to be pregnant seems beautiful to me. I don't know how it'll be, but that's how it feels to me. Right. But once the child comes out, and once you heal up, and once life goes back to some sort of normal capacity, women, if you continue to eat like you have a child inside of you, <laughs> it's truthful, if you continue to not... Yeah. Try to find time, space, or energy to take care of yourself. If you justify it away with, you don't get what it's like to raise a baby, I don't. I don't know what it's like to be at home with a child all the time. But with all the modern day conveniences of every gym almost in the country having child care center, rather than the fact that you could go push a baby in a stroller, mm-hmm. do some jump jacks in your living room, watch what you eat, I have a difficult time saying after six months after you have your baby. Yeah, get a Peloton, put it in your basement. My sister-in-law did that. She's hot as you know what. Yeah, I just have a tough time saying at that point you couldn't start working towards your pre-baby body. Right. It might not always go all the way back. You might have some stretch marks that you wouldn't plan on. I'm not saying all that. I have extra skin on my stomach that will never, ever go away because it was stretched out with an eight-pound baby. Never, It'll never go away. But you cared enough to work on it because you respected yourself enough and then through you, your partner, mm-hmm. at the time, to want your body to get back to what it was. Yeah. You didn't settle. Not even a little bit. Can't get complacent. That's ultimately what all this comes down to to me. Like that's the that's the tie-in for all this episode, this long ass episode to come to a draw. As you can't get complacent in any aspect of your relationship from the start all the way to the finish, and the finish is ultimately when you die. Yes. And you have to value your, yourself enough and be honest with yourself enough so that you can then communicate your wants and needs to your partner so you're not complacent. Truth. What happens if you do that long enough? Get shit done 